This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Short Shifts Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me as always, your other host, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Recording here on Mardi Gras. It's been nice to drown some of my concerns over all of these crazy schedule changes in some delicious chocolate punchkis from Sweetwater's Donut Mill down the street. Drove off at six in the morning in the deep, deep snow to go pick up my donut order. It was a, uh, it felt very Mardi Gras to me. I don't understand what you're talking about. Even a little bit is don't are donuts a Mardi Gras thing. Yeah, it's Fat Tuesday. So at least at least in Michigan, Fat we have Tuesday. lots of Polish people. Yeah. That's so, a thing? Well, it's a thing for religious people and also people who love to eat donuts on a random Tuesday in, you know, February. I haven't talked about this on the pod, but I've been playing a lot of the Tim Hortons uh, goal challenge. And in doing so, I have the Tim Hortons app and donuts are more accessible to me than they've ever been before. Uh, we're in the middle of an ice storm, so I'm not going to Uber Eats donuts to my apartment. But uh, interesting. Thank you for teaching me about Fat Tuesday. I did not know about this uh, Mardi Gras, a.k.a. Let's get into today's hockey headlines. Of course, the Short Shifts podcast is brought to you by Keeping Carlson. We are your twice-weekly check-in for news, takes, uh, everything that basically happens in between those Sunday mega shows that Brian and Elon host. We are going to keep you up to date. And we're going to start with a very quick headline here talking about the schedule changes that were announced today. Uh, This shouldn't have a massive impact on most fantasy teams unless you are a as a detailed a schemer as a, a streamer as our scheming pal cousin Dave Benton who hosts the Stream Scheme podcast. Basically, the only change for this week is that the Rangers are going to lose a Sunday game and the Devils are going to play the Capitals in their stead. They've preempted them. Uh, nothing to say here, really. Just check your schedules and I think more than more than usual, just follow the league on Twitter so that you're up to date in case any uh, any schedule changes happen. I mean, we saw two two postponements this week and they weren't even COVID related, which was the most shocking thing to me. Yeah. You know, I, I am all for postponements that are not related to the spread of COVID. If I have to have them one way, I'll take uh, the winter storm as opposed to additional COVID stuff. I got to say, I'll, I'll pour one out or I'll drink one. I suppose with anyone who like me was counting on some Rangers games or is up against someone with devils players, because uh, it was a harsh, a harsh reality check for us, but hopefully we'll reap the benefits when those games get uh, rescheduled down the line in those later weeks. The devils are actually a very interesting case because 
Um, they have they and the Flyers, I believe, are the first game to be scheduled after the initial final game of the season on the on May the tenth. I believe is the correct is the now final date of the NHL season. And I, I've seen a few Devils beat writers tweeting about the fact that the Devils play. I think something like and I'm I'm sort of. I'm eyeballing or whatever. It's like 44 games in like 82 days or something ridiculous. So yes, you may get a frenetically paced rest of the season from your Devils players, but they also could be pretty worn out here. So it could be up or down. Somebody like Mackenzie Blackwood, who is killing it again tonight, um, somebody may may deal with a little bit of fatigue in the back half of the season. I don't know. I uh, We don't know. This is all unprecedented, right? Yeah, I was reading Tuesday morning's Dauber ramblings, and they were talking about a very condensed schedule coming up here for the Sabres as well, uh, and how that is going to likely result in, you know, some more Carter Hutton games than you might have seen otherwise. And maybe we even see some of those, uh, you know, bubble level players start to get a little more rest potentially uh, as that pace picks up. And, you know, you want to try to avoid injury, you want to try to avoid exhaustion, so maybe shuffling through the taxi squad a little bit in some of those games could make for some very interesting matchups on the ice. Let's get into the injuries and outjuries section of the show. We'll start in Toronto, where Joe Thornton returned to the Maple Leafs without missing a step. Right back on that top line, top power play with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Two games and five points before his injury, and then two points in his first game back. Lewis, Joe Thornton must add in uh, in all formats here. Yeah, right back to the usual goal scoring Joe Thornton we <laughs> always expected we would have. Right, that's what he's known for. No, I mean, hey, great to see him hit the score sheet with a goal. Obviously, that's not something for you to expect. But yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in. Thornton, as long as he is getting that outstanding deployment, I think we talked about him in you know the first or second episode of the year for short shifts, and he's in that same spot. He you know basically missed every game in between since we mentioned him. But yeah, I'm definitely interested in it, as long as he's going to have that deployment, just by you know virtue of playing on the line with Austin Matthews, and they've got all these games against Ottawa coming up. Like he's going to get points. It's it's inevitable. So as long as he's out there touching the puck, very interested in having Joe Thornton on my roster. Well, and so I asked you though, addable in all leagues, and I have to assume you don't actually. Th- I was being sarcastic. I, I see what you're saying. If if you need him, like if you're doing cats leagues and you're relying on, you know, you're not getting we. As we said at the start of the season, you're not going to get a ton of shots. You're probably looking at assists and power play assists is where he's going to be useful for you. But if you're, you know, counting up uh, points, that's obviously beneficial for you. And if you if it's just a points league, I still like him there. But yes, I should I should temper any expectations in cats leagues that he's not going to be shooting for you. He's certainly not going to be hitting anyone for you. Not going to see much in the way of pims. So, yeah. And I think that basically you can stream Joe Thornton in in a, a lot of different leagues. The Leafs have a pretty good schedule this week. They have a back to back after tonight, so maybe he's he's worth a look for if you're just looking for some assists or whatever it is. Lewis, why don't you get to our next outchery? Yeah, excited to have Matt Dumba making his return as the Minnesota Wild also make their return to the ice after quite the long layoff. Dumba is not maybe hitting as many points as we hope to see, four points in nine games. Uh, He is shooting near a career high, and he's been giving us a little more of the peripherals. So two hits a game, a block a game, and certainly, you know, going to get his power play time uh, with some of the injuries that the Wild have along the blue line. You know, this is a guy that just a couple seasons ago, we were saying, he could score 20 goals as a defender. Uh, I don't think he's lost 
all of that. Obviously, last year was a big disappointment. But yeah, you know, if someone got tired of holding on to him or wasn't able to stash him, you know, with a variety of other injuries, see if he's uh, hanging out on your waiver wire. Matt Dumba may be an interesting pick. Of course, he has not played his game yet tonight, so we can't update him on what he managed to do. But uh, we'll try and tweet it out in the morning when we are telling you all about our show. Well, and so that one year where Matt Dumba really popped, he had 12 goals in 32 games before, I believe it was a knee injury that knocked him out for the rest of the regular season, Um, on pace for 31 goals as a defenseman, which would be pretty much unheard of in today's NHL. I don't see the 20 goal upside anymore. I mean, that year he was shooting 13%, and this year he's shooting 12%, but before that, he he's never eclipsed 10 before. So, I mean, I see him more as, you know, on a good year, he's going to get above 10 goals. But on a regular year, he might just be one of those, uh, yeah, like 10 to 12 goals is what I would expect. And if you're getting a little bit more puck luck, maybe you'll get some extra goals there. If I can clarify, I'm talking about the, uh, the Matt Dumba discourse here, right? Uh, oh, not so okay. much like the actual expectations, but there was a lot of this chatted like if there was going to be a defender who was going to be able to who's going to be able to put together a type of season like that, it would be someone like Dumba who was uh, shooting and shooting, you know, with the sort of percentage that that he was putting together. Yeah, and I, I for me, I think that that ceiling is is not really there anymore. But I do think that he can be, you know, a, a fifteen goal. Uh, 25 no well I'll say like 30 assist guy like I could see Matt Dumba hitting 50 points 55 points but not much higher than that for me I do have a take about the Minnesota Wild in general that I, I hope you'll indulge me uh here I'm a little bit nervous about about the Wild as they return and in particular I'm nervous about Cam Talbot now I say this having watched the first two periods of Mackenzie Blackwood's return in New Jersey and he looks fantastic but there's just something about COVID. It's not hitting everyone the same way. I'm just nervous that Cam Talbot behind a team that has, you know, and again, Mackenzie Blackwood is is the argument against me, the data point against me. But I just have a bad feeling about Cam Talbot. We had a chance to choose, or, you know, before the year started, we had a chance in a draft to pick between Olmark and Talbot. And I was really happy to have gone with Talbot in the preseason. Right now, I think I would lean Olmark, which is kind of crazy considering we've already seen the Sabres come back from COVID break and they look sloppy. So I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just my tinfoil hat on here, but I'm nervous about Cam Talbot. I am too. I think, you know, we picked up uh, Kapokakinen in the FHT league that we are playing in. And I think that was a good pick because I do think he's going to get a run of starts here and potentially have a chance to to solidify you know, an opportunity to hold on to a few more. We don't know many specifics about the details of what's going on with Talbot, but because he is on that list, it also has me a little bit concerned, especially the way we've seen it slow some players up, like uh, Mika Zibanejad, for instance, obviously not a goalie. But yeah, I'm a little... I'm with you. I have some trepidation about how we might see Talbot make his return. So obviously right now he's listed as out. You can keep him on your IR and sort of see how things go. One thing that I do hope is that when Talbot does make his return, he's going to be getting back in behind a team that's had a few games to to acclimate from returning from their break. And I think that may be beneficial. I think what we're seeing with the Sabres here, maybe it's just a matter of the Islanders scoring early and then kind of putting a stranglehold on the game with their defensive style. But, you know, 
I think there is something to be said that maybe they aren't quite up to game speed. I remember watching Monday night's game and just watching the futility of the Sabres offense in the third period where I think they maybe managed a shot, like a shot. The only shot was taken off by the offside. So yeah, Yeah. you know, maybe that conditioning uh, is not there quite yet. Yeah, I think that it's a good point. They are playing a a stingy defensive team. But the other thing here is like, this is, like I said before, this is unprecedented. These are, we're having to make theories as we go. And some teams are going to look okay. Some teams are going to look wacky. Right now, we don't know what Minnesota will look like, but it it's not great to have Cam Talbot still on the COVID list, I guess, is how I feel. Lewis, we have to take a break. Coming up, we will talk about some hot streaks and some cold streaks. You're listening to Short Shifts. Like any good team, Hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we're going to get into some hot streaks and some cold streaks. Why don't you start us off? Yeah, we got to go to Monday's Toronto and Ottawa game. The first time in franchise history that Ottawa came back from a four-goal deficit to win the game. And the hero of the day uh, was Evgeny Dadanov, who people are quite excited about. We were having a conversation with Shane in our Twitter and, you know, talking about Dadanov kind of being a disappointment. And all he's done is just go off with five goals and zero assists in five games. This is a big-time course correction for him after only scoring three points in the 12 games before this streak started. A big area of improvement is that during this five-game streak, he's averaging three shots a game. Uh, when he was below two shots a game in those 12 snoozers previous. Uh, it also helps that his shooting percentage went from four and a half to 33%. So don't expect this Palooza to last. But with the team only shooting 6% while he's on the ice overall, including, you know, his incredible puck luck over the last few games, I think you can probably expect a few more assists in there to help pad his numbers. Uh, There's nothing out of the ordinary about his individual points percentage. So he's getting in on about as many goals as should be expected. So that's not an area where I'm expecting to see a big change. Um, But certainly I don't think they're going to keep shooting 6% ways on the ice. We can expect that to tick up a little bit. He should be able to add a few more assists than he's been getting in this hot run. Yeah, I didn't lose faith in Dodonov, not because I didn't, you know, I kept up the faith in him as a player, but right when everyone was starting to drop him was right when he got on line one, power play one. And uh, that is not the time to be dropping your snoozers, not when they get the boost in a uh, deployment. Since then, he's been dropped down to that second line, um, which in Ottawa, the second and third line are kind of interchangeable. He's playing with Nick Paul and uh, or maybe even Artem Anisimov now, but basically nobody that you're excited to see your uh, fantasy player play with. But he, he's scoring right now, and that's all that really matters. And I think that we forget sometimes in this, like everybody's got such a short memory that we forget that he showed up on a new team. No, no training camp whatsoever. 
it, it's going to take some of these players a little bit to get adjusted to their team. And I think that that explains quite a bit with the Donov. But you're right. The the most the most exciting part of what's going on with him is the fact that he is shooting quite a bit again. I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. Yeah, great observation. If I can just add one more little piece of non-fantasy errata. But in that game, uh, we had Pierre Engvall score uh, his first goal in quite a long time for Toronto. Do you know the last game that he scored a goal in? Yes, it was the game that they blew it against, uh, not Columbus. David Ayers. It was the David Ayers game, yes. I We have the same Twitter feed. It makes sense that I <laughs> that I knew where you were going with this. But absolutely, uh, yes, Pierre Engvall, welcome back to the show. I'm going to move on to our next hot streak, and this one is in Long Island, where Ryan Pulak, who got off to a very cold start to start the year, now has five assists in his last seven games. He maintains top power play, playing next to Noah Dobson uh, with Barzal, Eberly, and Anders Lee. Uh, Ryan Pulak, a guy who I think at this point is basically just course correcting. This is, you know, his full season stats to me are the guy that he is is what you should expect moving forward. I don't think he's the hot streak guy, and I don't think he's the cold streak guy. This is just what happens to defensemen. They go on hot runs, they go on cold runs, and then at the end of the year, you're like, all right, they got 40, 45 points. I'm glad I held on, I guess, because they were better than, you know, taking a dropping them for a Justin Schultz, who I think will be less productive on the whole uh, than Ryan Pulak, who at least gets that top power play look. Uh, something that we always have to remind ourselves with defenders sometimes is we can get very impatient with them. Pulak was not picked to be a high-scoring defender necessarily, but to provide mm-hmm. some scoring in addition to providing some nice peripherals. Uh, so having him hit the score sheet obviously is nice, but you know when he goes on a streak of three games where he scores, if he's going to average out to a 41-point you know, pace, then we would expect there could be three games where he doesn't hit the score sheet at all. So it's just typical defenseman stuff. All right. Tell us our next player here. So everyone is very excited about one Brock McGinn, Brock McGuinn, as somebody uh, in our Twitter feed called him. I think that was uh, KDX Zach, our buddy. Yes, 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 absolutely. Trying to remember. I uh, want to make sure we call out our Twitter friends when we have the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, eight points in the last six games after last night's two-goal, two-assist outburst. This is Monday night that I'm talking about, of course. Uh, so that does mean that it was a modest four points in five games, a more modest four points in five games before the jackets melted down. Obviously, it's great to have McGinn on that top line in Carolina with Tavo and Sebastian Ajo. Uh, a little concerning that he has three games under 14 minutes during this streak, although I think last night's 11 minutes are excusable. We talked about this partially being score effects as they ran away with that game eventually in Columbus. And, you know, if you get a nice little vacation after each goal you score you know that line was seeing the bench quite a bit as they put four goals on and only had one against a little concerning he's also not getting time on the power play uh, but his even strength deployment is excellent and the canes are near the top of the league or maybe the top of the league and expected goals for i don't think it's unreasonable to expect that he could pace for 60 points over 82 games while he's holding this line one deployment obviously the canes are not going to score seven goals every game but it's it's really it's been fun and it's nice to see svechnikov meshing so well with the that Fogel and Jordan Stahl line. Got to call out Jordan Stahl here when I have the chance. Love him. He's really helping me out. But that's really opened up that spot on the top line for McGinn. Could be that he loses that spot if Brendan Moore decides he needs Svech back up on the top line. Uh, but the Canes have not lacked for offense lately. So I would expect these combos to stick for a little bit. 60 points, huh? I don't know. That's That might be the hottest take I've heard heard from you this year. He's shooting 28%, Lewis. <laughs> he's got, he's got, he's got. 
six goals on his last 13 shots. You think he could do 60 points? To me, when when I see Brock McGinn doing what he's doing, I just think of Michael Furland, a guy who, when he's hot, you want him, and then he's not going to be getting in on every goal that's scored when he's on the ice with Tavo and Aho. And Michael Furland on that line was on pace for 45 points. That seems about right if Brock McGinn can, you know, maybe 50 if he gets lucky. 60 to me is a bridge too far, my friend. You've 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 offended me. Okay, well, fair enough. Maybe I, maybe my eyes are getting too wide here uh, as I bask in the offensive glory of the Canes. But I, I could see him. I think he's going to do better than Furland in terms of pace. Hmm. Uh, and I just think that he's going to have better opportunity. I think we saw Furland cycle from time to time off of that line. And if uh, Fogel, Svechnikov, and Stahl line can stick together, if they can continue to be productive while splitting up Svech off of that top line, uh, I think it's really going to open some doors here potentially for McGinn. But we'll see how it goes. Well, and so I actually, I would not say that I expect Svech to be the one who would take that. I would think that they would give maybe Marty Natchez a shot up on that top line. Somebody... Who or Jordan Martinook, like Cedric Paquette, like I, Jesper Fast, like I, I think that they, you know, Marty Natchez is or Natchez is obviously a different type of player, but I think the one thing that works for McGinn is that they do look to put a bit of a grinder on that line with uh, with Tavo and Aho, somebody who's going to go into the corners and get pucks, kind of like what we see Zach Hyman do in Toronto. So maybe maybe I should be less concerned. I, I do think that I do think it's unlikely that that they put Svech back up there just because he's he's done lots of damage from elsewhere in the lineup, and that seems to be what works best for the Canes. If I gave you an over-under at 55 points, what would you take? I would smash the under. Okay. I'd smash it. Uh, I do have a Canes take. Tavo Teravainen uh, also came back in this game. Everybody's saying the, the buy-low window slammed shut on Tavo. If I have Tavo Teravainen still not on the top power play, in Carolina, coming off a four-point game, I would consider, I would look to see what I could trade him for. Like, if I could get a 70-point player, a player who was picked within a few spots of where I picked Tavo, because people are hype and they think that he's all the way back, despite the fact that he's not playing with uh, Aho on the top power play unit, I would make that swap. Interesting. I, I'm a little, I'm a little more nervous on Think because I worry that Stahl could lose that spot when he eventually cools off. Obviously, he is red hot, incinerating everything in sight for the moment. But I don't see uh, Stahl's top power play deployment lasting the whole season. I think Tava will get his shot up there, and that's what has me thinking that uh, he could still certainly hang in there. That is a fair point. I could see him taking, if not the stall spot, the Trocek spot. So yeah, if if Tavo gets back up on that top unit, it's back to our conversation that we had a few weeks ago, where we're talking about how we're not that concerned because we expect him to get up on the top unit. But my, I, I remain nervous about Tavo just because of the fact that Brindamore has not put him back on the top unit just yet. Yeah, I am a little surprised that it hasn't happened already. I am very pleased, obviously, and I think the stall owners are as well, but we're all sort of waiting for that other shoe to drop. All right, Lewis, that's all the time we have for tonight. These shows go by so quickly. I swear we could talk for another hour or so, but this is the short shift, not the long shift. The long shift is Sunday night, and we are excited to hear from Brian and Elon next weekend. You and I will be back on Thursday. Why don't you sign us out of here? That's right. We'll be back out again in just a couple of days. So let's not get ourselves stuck out there for a goal against by taking too long. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. 
Brian and Elon, of course, are at Keeping Carlson. You can follow Dave Benton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, please check out all of the great sites that we use to research our episodes. Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Roto World, Natural Stat Trick, and Cupful.com. Uh, our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. 